All right, you guys, so we're going to finish up the questions that you got into last week. I listened to it. I thought that was really good. Uh, before we get started, um, let me say how this will work. Like, like always, we want to try to answer these questions that you guys have according to what God's Word says. So if we're, able, if we're not able to answer it, we'll let you know that and hopefully try to get you an answer sometime soon. But if there's, um, once the question is read, if we give an answer and there needs to be more discussion on it, you're welcome to like raise your hand and try to add on more. Because the goal of this whole thing is to make sure that you're understanding what God's Word says about whatever the, um, the question is or about your lives and things like that. So we want to make sure that you guys are understanding. If you're not, if it's not making sense to you, say that. So that otherwise we want this to be profitable, in other words. Um, so Sam, like I said, he's going to be like, you know, if you watch the Q&As from um, Ligonier, he's like Chris Larson. He's the one who reads the questions, and then he'll ask either Steve or myself, and we'll do our best to answer faithfully according to, to God's word. And then um, we can help each other if we need to, but he'll move us along with the questions in that. And I did want to say, I heard I was called out last week, too about my my shirt or whatever. And I thought that they answered that question really well. I would just add to it that I'm pretty sure like Calvin and Luther, none of them would have wanted systems of theology named after them. It just kind of happened as a way to identify. Well, Paulus didn't have, see the differences. It just came up as a way to identify the, the system of belief that they're known for, that they champion, I guess you could say. But the difference with the Corinthian situation is Apollos, Peter, Jesus, and Paul all taught the same thing. So their people were people were factioning around them or like group like viewing them as like their favorite celebrity because of their style or their personality. They all taught the same thing. When I say that I'm a Calvinist, it means that I'm I don't believe in you know faith preceding regeneration. Or I don't think that Jesus died for everyone. So it's a specific set of beliefs. So it's different. It's not even the first Corinthians issue at all. So what you're saying is... Wear a Calvinist shirt, we're yes. We're not burning the shirt. <laughs> no, not burning the shirt. But let's... Uh, maybe I'll pray, I guess. And then we could... Sam, you could start out the question and give it to whoever you want. Also, I think... Uh, so, well, good. Well, wow. It's a good thing I chose you to be Chris Larson. Or Phil Johnson, he does it sometimes for, or it's Austin Duncan does it for the Master's Seminary stuff now, too. Mm-hmm. Anyways, let's pray. Father in heaven, we're grateful to you for letting us be here tonight. And we pray, Lord, that you would impart to us wisdom from your word, that you'd help us to look at this world through the lens of your word, understanding all things in light of the way that you made them, in light of the way of sin's impact upon them. In light of what your word says, Lord, we know that your word is truth, and we pray that you would guide us into all truth through a better understanding of your word. Let it be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and help us, God, to grow in godliness all for your glory's sake. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So nice and loud, so the... Picks it up. What's the most important book of the Bible, or what is your favorite one, and why? Favorite. Paul. Uh, Paul. Oh, okay. <laughs> the so the most important book in the Bible, and my favorite one, and why? Um, 
I don't know. I guess some people would say like maybe Genesis is the most important book of the Bible because it talks about all everything that goes forward from there. There are only four right answers. <laughs> <laughs> or you know the the gospel accounts. Is that what you're you're going for? I don't know if there's a most important book of the Bible. Maybe I would answer that. So that these are the books that wants us to have all of them. So the Bible would, in a way, be incomplete if we didn't have one of them. My favorite book of the Bible is Revelation, since that's what we're preaching through right now. <laughs> wow, so it just changes. What did you think it was? Ephesians. Ephesians would be my other answer. Ephesians are Hebrews, for honestly, but I've been enjoying Revelation. Yeah, for me, I, was, I would say that the question's flawed, because just like what you said, like, it's you take something out of any of those books and it no longer is God's fully inspired given word for us. We're missing something. So I would say that the the easy answer is to say the whole thing and that we're not going to say that one is the best. Uh, the one that I the one that I think is my most favorite is probably Romans. I think I think from start to finish it does such a good job of pointing out man it points out who god is it really like chapter nine used to be a chapter that i struggled with but i see how beautiful it is about how god is sovereign and that god really is the one that does all things um i i, I think if if i think that would be the one book that i would say is probably the one that i find favorite but that answer wouldn't have been true years ago so I think that, that I, I think that as God grows people, your tastes change and you become more refined and you start to really appreciate more everything that God does. And like something that you might think now, oh, this is my favorite, will change as it goes. His old favorite book was Song of Solomon. Let's keep it moving. If God did not make sin, how is sin here? Right. Uh, Steve. Say it one more time. If God did not make sin, how is sin here? Can I tap in? I would like to tap in. Because there's a second question, so we'll we'll come back. Sin is what? Any sin is any transgression of God's law, right? It's it's evil, and so it's it's an absence of what's. Good. It's hard to explain. It's a philosophical question, really. But most of the, the, the way that I've heard it talked about before that makes most sense to me is to think about it from like without. So in other words, sin exists because there's not something good being done there. If that makes, if that's acceptable to you. It's a tough question. I mean, we, we, we want to be confessional. We want to align ourselves with what believers have thought of throughout history. And so some of like the Westminster Confession of Faith or the London Confess, Confession of faith from the Baptist says that you know God is not the author of sin, but we do know that God uses sin to bring about His purposes. I mean, I've been reading through Exodus, um, my morning reading lately, and we're at the part where the plagues are happening, and you know all the times when God hardens Pharaoh's heart as well, and Pharaoh hardens his own heart. So God does use sin through secondary causes to bring about his accomplishments. But properly speaking, sin is not a thing that you can grab. Sin is a transgression of God's law. And so it's like the, it's the absence of doing the right thing, absence of doing good. 
Steve. Why did God make man in his image? To glorify himself. It, man was made in God's image as... I always look at it as man is the, the pinnacle of God's creation because it's the only thing that the Bible describes is being made in God's image, which then leads to man's chief end, which is to glorify God and enjoy him. Amen. Uh, Paul, is it sinful to name someone Jezebel? <laughs> what about your cat? Your cat is okay. Did we answer this one already? No. Your cat is okay if you eat it later. No. I just heard from a friend. It's funny we, this question came up because I was talking with a friend yesterday, and she said that she knew a little girl named Jezebel. Uh, your daughter was saying oh, this. She did. That's yeah. right. Um, it's not a sin to name your daughter Jezebel. It's just kind of weird, if, especially if you know the history of who Jezebel is in history. It'd be, yeah, like, or, or like Hitler or um, we were saying Karen. Nobody's gonna probably gonna name their daughter Karen anymore. Sam's wants to name his daughter Karen. 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 I'm sorry. Why does God still let us sin? I would say that that kind of goes back to what Paul was also mentioning: is the idea that God uses God, God even uses sins to achieve His purposes. Um, so that we know that God hates sin, so he's not encouraging us to sin in any way. We know that anytime we're sinning, we're doing it apart from we're doing it apart from what God desires for people to do, but we know that God does allow sin a season to do its thing. We know that ultimately that that will be ended, but it does still bring about his purposes. Paul. Oh. So if we believe that there is only one race, then why is the song that we sing, it says, every age and every race, we're united? Do you know what song that is? No. I think it's Look What God Has Done. It's what? Look What God Has Done. Look What God Has Done? Yeah. That's a... The ghost ship song? No. I think so. Yeah. It's like, that song? Okay, it's just a bad... I think, the, so in our... The context of our culture, we kind of use that term two ways. Technically, right, where there's only one race, there's the human race. That's probably what that what question is meaning. Ethnicity. What about what? NASCAR. What about NASCAR? <laughs> it's a race. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> right over my head. Um, there's only, yeah, there's only one race, the human race, but people, you know, speak of race as ethnicity sometimes as well too, and I'm guessing that's probably, that's how the song yeah. must mean. I'm talking about, you know, there is nation. no Jew or Greek, no Gentile, yeah. or no Jew or Gentile, so it's that they idea. the concept of nation, but the syllables probably didn't work. It's a song, it yeah. has to rhyme yeah, it's a little not, bit. It's, yeah. yeah, a song is also not, a song is also not scripture, so. Unless it's a song. I mean, unless literally yeah. it's a song, Yes. <laughs> Why don't we celebrate the festivals and feasts in the Old Testament? Or from the Old Testament? Yeah. So we don't, specifically as, as a church, but there are churches, Protestant churches, that do do that. I didn't mean to say that. Oh. That do practice that. <laughs> um, 
the reason that we don't is because of covenant theology, mostly, I would say. Uh, all of those signs, all those festivals, so like um, Passover, Jubilee. Purim, the Jubilee, all of these things were good, and they were right and helpful within the old covenant economy of Israel. But what they all did was point to who Christ is and what Christ would do. And so we have Christ now. So it would make it literally would make no sense for us to celebrate, you know, the, the week of the Feast of Booths, because Christ is tabernacling with us literally himself. He's the head of the church. And so in a way, and probably the churches that are Protestant that practice these things, they're probably not thinking of it. They're probably just thinking, oh, we read this Bible, this is something to do, it's fellowship, let's let's do it. That's probably, I guess, what they're thinking. But really, it's kind of silly because it would kind of be like if I had a picture of my wife and my wife was in the room and I was just totally ignoring my wife and just staring at this picture of her and like, you know, thinking about how amazing she is. Because, that's a good question. What Why was that? Why would you do that? Why would you do that when that's the, the, that's the point. person is standing right next to you? Exactly. Why would you do that? So that's the, that's the thing. Like, Why would you celebrate those feasts when you have Jesus now? Because those feasts, I think, pointed to who Jesus is. And in national Israel, those things were expected. You were obligated due to your covenantal agreement that was made with God. Now we're no longer in that covenant. So for for any church that does do it, it's purely cultural. For not for sure, I'm not going to say for show, but it, it is a cultural thing. It's not an. It's not. It, it doesn't even hold the same weight. Yeah. It, There's no commandment for us to do that any longer. Part of the ceremonial law. Steve, what if we built a city on the moon? Would everyone move there? Everybody, no. Some, yes. Would you? The moon's too small, probably. No. We've never been to the moon, so that's not even a. Yeah. This is where Paul, Paul and I will disagree. This will probably be the strongest disagreement we have tonight. But, yeah. Right, Continue it on. I will say that Stephen M. Kessner says that, yes, we have gone to the moon. What about Mars? We have not been to Mars. I saw them in the movie once. Paul, won't I be sad about people I love being in hell when I am in heaven? Was there? <laughs> I'll take the moon question. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I was gonna say, you the easy question. What are you doing? All right. Um, that's a good question because you know, in heaven, you're gonna know more, right? You understand that you're not gonna like be forgetful or at some point. Um, and we know the Bible says that there was no weeping in heaven; that God will wipe away your tears. He talks about that in Isaiah, and so and and the picture of the new heavens and the new earth in Revelation 22 doesn't make it seem like there's going to be anybody sad. And so what the answer that I think makes the most sense is that right now, though it doesn't make, because right now we are sad that there are people in hell that we love, right? Right now, we def, hopefully we are. <laughs> um, but I think in heaven, our feelings and our thoughts will be so sanctified and conformed to Christ that we'll be 
not sad. I think we'll have perfect peace with it. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a full understanding that what God d- does is right and good. And plus, I think part of us right now, we don't understand like the, the penalty of our sin, the weight of our sin. But certainly when we're in heaven, that will be all the more clear to us. And so even though we'll know people who are not in heaven and people then who are in hell, it won't be something that brings us to tears. Mysteriously, it'll even be something that I think we glorify God for. Because it's not as if God did anything wrong in sending them to hell. You know? And so we'll be able to understand that aspect more completely. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> the question is, how do you put back together a smashed up Rubik's Cube? <laughs> Paul. Steve. I want you to say something random. The dog is green. Wow. Especially random because he can't see color. So. <laughs> well, then don't write that. <laughs> I don't you know Chris Larson or Austin Duncan probably wouldn't read those kind of questions I'm just going to throw that out there Paul is there any way that a pro-choice person could go to heaven um, and there's uh, the Bible says that the elect will go to heaven not pro-life people is, is that the, a statement at the end that was written on there pretty sure I know who wrote that it's one. a period so you, okay do you want to answer that one? Is that an easy one that you want? Um, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll say my answer and then you correct it if you think it's wrong. Okay. I would say that if you are a believer who is pro-life, you are probably very young in your faith. You mean pro-choice. Pro-choice. Excuse me. Yes, pro-choice. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to step in You already disagreed with my answer. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're a believer who's pro-choice, you're very young in the faith. And the longer you've been in the faith and you remain pro-choice, I would get very nervous that you are actually of the faith. It's that I think is it, it is so blatantly obvious what's going on there that it is actually murder. That for you to remain and say that that's acceptable, you the longer you are, the longer you are quote unquote a Christian and you hold that position the more I doubt that you really are or that you are so spiritually blinded in a whole lot of areas that if you're saved, it's in, it, it's completely in spite of yourself. Yeah, I'd agree. Isn't it always? Think of it with another, yeah. any other commandment maybe, you know, because our culture spins the whole argument. So it's pro-choice. So it makes it sound good. Like, oh, choice is good. I like choices. I know. So, th- so our, they do that on purpose. Um, and it's not about the... They're thinking it's about woman's health. They're not thinking about the baby doll. But think about it for, like, you know, adultery. Oh, you're, you're pro-adultery. Like, I mean, does that sound <laughs> like, like a person Smith. who loves it? Yeah, like Will Smith, right? Just don't make fun, of her, just don't make fun of her haircut. <laughs> oh, my God. That went so far over so many people's heads. <laughs> that's good. I, that's a, I can't believe our, the world is talking about it so much. It's, right? it's such a distraction. It's, it's idiotic. So. Oh, candy is the best. <laughs> what? What's a good question? Snickers. You put that in there. Go, just answer it and let's move on. A hundred grand. And oh, mine is Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. What is it? I deny that. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. 
solid option. I agree with Paul. It's 100 grand. Uh, Steve. God, God even knows when he will come, right? Yes. We, yes. I, I think some of the confusion that people might have or something is when, when Jesus was here on earth, he would say nobody knows but the Father. But now with Christ resurrected... He had he would have that knowledge. So yeah, God does know when God is returning. Yes. I think if he didn't, right? That means God is like doesn't know something that God has to learn. Then like we're totally damaging the the revealed um, nature of God. Paul, God made us in His image, but is He a spirit and has no body? So how did how did we get bodies? That was Adam. Like he is a spirit and has no body. Yeah. So how did we get bodies? Okay. Um, that's a good question. I. So in God's wisdom, He made a human nature which is physical, but he made a physical world as well too, right? And so if this physical world, my, my answer, I, I guess I'm going to say, because I don't know like for certain, like, I mean, there's nothing in, in God's word that, would, I, that I can think of that technically answers that. So it's more of like a theological question, I suppose. But God made a physical world and he made people to be his image bearers when it says that we're his image bearers, so what that means is that in our human nature, especially before the fall, um, we bear some of the attributes of God. So some of God's attributes are what we call communicable, meaning that he shares them with creation, with a humanity. And so like we're able to love. Um, although even you know our affections are much different than God's because God... You guys talked about this question last week, even, that God is impassable. He doesn't have emotions in the same way that we do. Properly speaking, he doesn't have emotions. I think that was Clint. Yeah, It was. Yeah. Um, I know. I was impressed. And so we are his, when it's made in his image, we're supposed to be like his vice regents on the earth, ruling, giving him honor and glory. That's a good question because, yeah, God does not have a body like men. That is, you know, what the catechism says, and that's, that is right. God is not – God doesn't have size to him. He doesn't have space categories to him. Yeah. Um, so when, yeah, when he created Adam and Eve, he designed humanity in his image, but that doesn't mean that he has a physical aspect to his nature at all. I think we get some flaws about God when like if you look at art like if you go look at the Sixteen Chapel there's that that famous scene where God's like with the white beard on the cloud reaching out his hand towards man and we think that we, yeah it's a 2C violation I was waiting for Paul to say it um, but part part of the reason of why that's a violation is it gives us a wrong picture of who God is and when you look at the Trinity the Father is spirit so if we wanted to be correct if Michelangelo wanted to be correct, he would have not put anything there, and maybe and, and maybe use that as symbolism that God is spirit, but man is real. And so, like, we need to think of image. We're so used to being 
mortal people that are physical that we know an image is something that looks like something. And so we start to put personification that God also has the same image of us, but the son does. That's the last one. Why is your beard so majestic? It's the grace of the Lord. Because <laughs> if you look at the top of my head, <laughs> not so majestic. It's like the hair migrated south. <laughs> is that really all of them? Is that the last question? No, he just lied to you. Yeah, that's it. Okay. 20 minutes early, what should we do? Well, let's pray. Well, here, Adam, you had a question. Do you want to just say it? Hey, Adam has a question, guys. Let me just say I have a question as well. Is sarcasm a sin? If a Christian gets amnesia and then dies so. not repenting of their sins because they do not remember that they are sins, where will they go when they die? Heaven. Because they're a Christian. Yeah. Right. It's a good question. Aren't they not... But you're not saved or you're not saved or unsaved because you remember or don't remember life. You're saved because the Holy Spirit regenerates you. Yeah. Think of like um, a lot of people that get dementia even. Yeah. That's a that's a more common thing where people forget, you know, who they are and and they might even, you know, forget what happens at church in some cases as well too. But if they're if they've been saved, you can't be unsaved. So, like, if they were to have, you know, amnesia and then, like, go on to live, like, a completely different life, to sinful life, um, where they didn't care about anything because they thought that whatever their former self did, they didn't, they thought that, that was wrong. And they can continue on. I mean, obviously, they, if, they're yeah. saved, if they were saved originally, they were saved, but it's right. just... Like, yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, I wonder if that must have has had happened at some point in the history of humanity. But if they were... Truly and genuinely saved before then, then yeah. And, and that doesn't come out of left field and the father, like, has to account for that on the fly. All of that stuff like, oh, no. is set out in the found, before the foundation of the world. God would know that and God would still be sovereign over it and do ultimately for his glory. And then Sam, what was your question? Is sarcasm a sin? Is sarcasm a sin? Hopefully not, otherwise Steve's not going. <laughs> yeah. Paul said Paul said no, I would say I would Don't want more information. To the national society. I would say that the more you do something, like sarcasm is good and there's a time and a place for it, good? I think. Like as a re- sometimes as as rhetoric, if you're in a debate or discussion and you're trying to emphasize a point, I think it's valuable, but and like you guys like no, that I I enjoy sarcasm, but there's a time where a good thing or a thing that might be proper in a certain amount or in a certain place gets carried over into another spot, and then it can be evidence that you're not as serious about other things as you should be. Isn't uh, is Elijah <laughs> and the, um, the prophets of Baal an, an example of sarcasm? Yeah. Right. Where remember they God has Elijah's scared of Jezebel. And he's, um, she's wanting to kill him, and so he's, he ends up meeting with the prophets of the false god, Baal, and they have a challenge to, like, throw down the stones and then pour water all on the, um, on on the pits. Yeah, on, on Elijah's. And they're either God or Baal supposed to rain down fire and consume it. And so, like, Baal's prophets are, like, 
praying and they're singing and they're dancing and they're doing where they're worshiping Baal and to try to get Baal to you know burn up this offering and nothing's happening because Baal doesn't actually exist and so they're like even cutting themselves I think they're yeah. trying to they're doing all these types of things to make it to make to their please, God to act to please, yeah, him. To please him and so Elijah like is like ask if your God is asleep or he asks <laughs> if he's on the toilet you know so I so that's sarcasm isn't it right. I think so I don't know that it's necessarily sin. It might you probably should be wise. It's a way of answering the fool, I think. You know, the proverb says that we should answer a fool according to his folly, so that he doesn't seem wise, and then also answer a fool not according to his folly. It just depends on the situation. Yeah. So. Any other questions? Yeah, Ivan. Does, Does God have a sense of humor? I feel like humor? that was mentioned last week. Yeah. I think so. He invented the platypus, yes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a passage that I'm blanking on right now. We're, it's, it's Jesus, but it's like, oh, he's... You can see he's like a sense of humor. But I... There's, Making a joke. There's absolutely... Uh, he's cracking the wise. Yeah. Oh, you see, the point of Scripture, though, is not to, I guess, reveal, you know, funny stories. But I would think God would have a sense of humor. I would absolutely, for sure, the son would, because he's fully human. And I can't think of a single human that wouldn't find, doesn't have humor for something. But what if humor is bad? Humor could be bad. But the humor itself is not bad. It's it's what you're joking about. Absolutely can be bad. It can be bad. If you're gluttonous. Yeah, so I would say I would say that if the son is fully human and he is, then the son for sure has a sense of humor. Yeah. Alright, that's it. Yeah. You wanna pray, Steve? I will. I'll close this. God, we thank you for these questions, both the silly ones and the serious ones, God. Um, we know that you're not a God that uh, doesn't, doesn't want us to think about you at all. That idea of just empty your mind is anathema to you for your people, Lord. You want us to be people of wisdom. You've got books of wisdom just for us to, to try to be more conformed into what true wisdom is, Father. Um, we thank you for these youth that have come with questions, Lord. Um, even once at the last minute, God, are still questions that you set for us to answer tonight. Uh, God, I pray as we go forward and back into Revelations that the, that the questions that you brought to our minds for this are um, that spirit of questioning and seeking your truth remains um, throughout the next section of Revelations that we go over, Father. Lord, uh, keep us safe through the game that we're going to do. Um, continue to draw more people um, to this youth group tonight. God, I know that last week we had some people. And God, I pray that even next week we would see um, Allie again and her friend. We thank you for so much, Father. Amen. Amen. We're making history. It's like 15 minutes early. Yeah. Whoa!